Welcome to the Thriving Farmer Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Kilpatrick. Our mission is to inspire, educate, and celebrate sustainable farming. We believe that you can build a profitable, sustainable farm that gives you true farm freedom. Join us as we talk to farmers, innovators, educators, and entrepreneurs to glean their top takeaways in business and life. Thank you to the Northwest Arkansas Land Trust for sponsoring this episode of the podcast. Conservation organizations play an important role in supporting local farms and food efforts nationwide. In the heart of the Ozarks, this land trust is taking land access for farmers one step further where they're offering affordable land leases. You can learn more about the program and the farm location by contacting 479-966-4666. Information is online at www.nwafarmlink.com. That is nwafarmlink.org. Hey, Thriving Farmers, Michael Kilpatrick here with yet another episode of the Thriving Farmer podcast. And today my guest is Craig Odom, who runs a retail nursery in Northwest Alabama. Starting with just a few dozen plants six years ago, Craig and his family have taken their business to a full-scale production and propagation nursery without any background in the industry. Craig also documents their growth and teaches others how to start thriving nurseries of their own on YouTube as a savvy dirt farmer. Craig, welcome to the podcast. Yeah, thanks a lot. I appreciate you having me. Absolutely. So I actually was doing research um, for some of the some things we're working on and found you on YouTube. And that was kind of my introduction. Um, share a little bit about kind of like, you know, would you always been interested in plants or was it a specific thing that got you uh, to start figuring out how to mess with these? No, I, I've really not always been interested in plants. In fact, I, I just really never have cared about plants at all or really known anything about them until a few years ago. And when I say a few years ago, I think I started dabbling around with this, I think 2017, maybe late 2016. Okay. And um, I had a regular job, nine to five type of thing. And I had done that for 20 plus years. And I really developed a love and a passion for really trying to learn how to propagate plants. It just became something that I was interested in. And I kind of realized over time that this was going to be something that I could make money at and maybe uh-huh. even make a living at. And I just started putting more attention and more effort and really educating myself on the process of kind of how you grow out plants. Because uh, like I said, I don't didn't have any background in it at all. Uh-huh. And it, it just kind of ballooned uh, from there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I think, I mean, obviously we'll, we'll dive into the specifics of it, but I think one of the biggest things is patience, right? It absolutely is. And, you know, this kind of goes without saying, especially to the community of people who are likely listening to a, you know, a podcast that has anything to do with farming, but, you know, if you, if you need to, you know, start a thriving business quickly, or, you know, if you need cash next week, that kind of thing. This is not the kind of thing for you to get into. Yeah. At least at least not the way that I did it. Yeah. So yeah, I mean if you're in it, you're in it for the long term or you know you're gonna just be wasting your time. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. All right. So what was that first uh plant that you that that kind of piqued your interest? The very first plants that I ever bought what were there were, there were two or three different things. I bought some uh, emerald green arborvitas, which is like uh-huh. a screening tree. You know, people plant them in a row to block out their neighbors, block out a busy road, that kind of thing. Uh-huh. 
and I bought some dogwood trees and I bought some crepe myrtle trees. Mm. And those are, those are all things that would be common in my area. And so the dogwood, what colors did you get? I had pink dogwoods and a Mm -hmm. Chinese variety called Milky Way, which is just kind of a spectacular white dogwood. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And so then you planted those and then what got you to the thing of, okay, I think I can actually make clones of these. So I think, I think on those particular trees, as best I remember, it's been a while. I think I paid seven or $9 each for them. I put them in two gallon pots and I sold them for 20 or $25 each. I don't remember exactly, but I I did that in, you know, I probably got them in in February or something like that Mm -hmm. before warm weather and had them sold by, you know, before May the 1st. And I didn't know how to sell them. I didn't really even know if it would work. You know, if you just buy a bare root tree and stick it Mm -hmm. in a pot, you know, I didn't really even know what that would do, but you know, I wasn't completely strapped for cash or anything. So I had enough money that I could experiment with this and, you know, Mm -hmm. just buy some things and worst came to worst. I just killed everything and lost a little bit of money and, you know, nobody wants to do that, but it's worth a shot to me. So uh, it was kind of a quick turnaround thing. I really didn't grow them. I mean, technically I would be considered the grower of those just because I didn't, you Mm -hmm. know, buy them one day, sell them the next, but that was really my first taste of, man, I, I really think this can work. Um, mm-hmm. I, I took some of those emerald green arborvitas that, I mean, I, I didn't buy a lot of them. I bought 20 or 50 of them or something. And we had some friends that wanted to use our house for a yard sale for a fundraiser they were doing for breast cancer or research or whatever it was. And mm-hmm. I thought, well, hey, I'm going to stick some of these trees out there in the yard sale and just see if anybody will buy them. Because that was literally the first thing I ever tried to sell. Yeah. And those were among the first things that sold that day. And I absolutely could not believe it. And Mm. I just thought, man, people and people were coming up. Several other people came up saying, Hey, where are those trees? Cause you know, we had put pictures of them in our Facebook ad. So yeah. 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 So just the amount of interest in plants from just the general public, anytime I would post anything for sale, it was just overwhelming how interested people were in them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and I think we have to look at is the competition of the big box nursery is half the time you go there and you never know the background of the plan and it might die on you. People are looking for a local expert that has experience that they can trust. I think that's right. You know, I, I don't know about, you know, I don't know about all plants. People ask me about plants all the time, either that I've never heard of or that I don't have, mm-hmm. that I've never had come through my hands that I've never grown. And I just tell people, I say, I don't know, I've never heard of it, or I just tell them whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And but what I do know is I know about the plants that I grow. I do know yeah. those plants. And I'm probably not considered an expert in those plants, but I know my plants. So when I've grown them for a year or two years or three years, I know what they do. I know how they react to warm weather in the spring. I know how they react to various insects, to changing weather over watering. I, I, I I know what my plants do. So uh-huh. I can talk about my plants. I can't talk about the plants that I don't have, but I've yeah. learned enough about mine that I can, you know, talk to people about those. And that that seems to be a really helpful thing to people. Mm-hmm. Now, I, I know you also, you can buy in little tiny, uh, basically, uh, they call liners or what, what is it called? Little bare roots that you pull in, let's say of those emerald green. Yeah. So they, there's just different terminology and and sometimes terminology just varies by 
maybe by location or by okay. by wholesale nursery, but people call them plant starts. They call them plugs. They call them liners. They call them bare root. It just mm-hmm. you know those are not all exactly the same thing, but there's just a lot of overlapping terminology. The bottom line is, is that they're all baby plants mm-hmm. in one one form or another, and you know that's what that's what my primary model is as a nursery is either propagating a plant or buying a small plant for a very small amount of money mm-hmm. and then growing it out into something that's much more valuable. So then it just becomes, okay, how long does it take to do that? How much are you spending on your liners? And, you know, what's the, what's the ideal turnaround time for this process? Is it one year, two years, three years? And that's, that's kind of what the whole business revolves around. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So then you've all, so you've gotten those where you're buying those, but you also propagate them. So talk us through a little bit about just kind of like the world out there of how easy it can be. And sometimes the more challenging of just taking cuttings and making new plants. Yeah. So I guess the short of that is, is that it varies a lot by plant. Some plants mm-hmm. propagate really easily. Some I can't get them to root at all. And ones that I have found to be very difficult, I just don't mess with it. You know, to me, Mm -hmm. it's a waste of time. You know, I don't have climate controlled facilities where I can control temperature and humidity. Mm -hmm. And so I do everything outside in the open. And so plants that I have found either, I just don't know how to propagate them or for whatever reason, I have found them to be particularly difficult. I just, I don't mess with them. Mm -hmm. But uh, so what are those top five that are almost that you find very challenging? Almost anything that grows really slow. Uh-huh. So think about something like a, like there's all sorts of different kinds of spruce, just as mm-hmm. an example, mm-hmm. like um, the Alberta spruce, the dwarf Alberta spruce. Those are a couple of examples that I've tried. I mean, I can get a few of them to root, but, you know, out of a hundred, when you're getting five to root, that's just not very good. You know, mm-hmm. I could I could use that space better for something else that I know I can do more successfully. One thing, if anybody is listening to this, that's really good at plant propagation or uh, listen, I, if you can figure out how to crack the code on propagating blueberries successfully, you okay. can, you can grow and sell as many blueberry plants as you can ever propagate. And I can't figure out how to do it. I mean, I've rooted a few, Uh but if I've, if I have attempted 500, Uh I've probably successfully rooted 20 of them. Uh And Uh when I say successfully rooted, I mean, was able to grow them out and eventually sell them. You know, they may start rooting and then for whatever reason they fail, you know, somebody knows how to do it. Somebody somewhere thinks it, thinks it's easy because they know how, but I just don't (laughs) know how, but that's one example of a plant that I've given, I've given up on as far as propagating it. But there's always a huge demand for them. And that just falls into yeah. trying to grow your own food. You know, huge crowd of people out there. There's a huge market of people looking to grow their own food, whether they are absolute novices and just want to try it or they've got a lot of years of experience doing it. There's a, there's a huge market for that. So mm-hmm. that's an example. Yeah. Now, one thing with blueberries, and again, I, 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 we have blueberries on farm, so I, I'm always tempted to start messing around with that, is 
one of, and especially like raspberries and stuff is they all talk about the viruses. And so they want to start using tissue culture. So I'm not sure exactly how important that is too, is to make sure that those, those type of plants, have you had any experience with that is just, um, you know, certain ones should be because they could be virus, have viruses. I, I don't know. Um, okay. I, I have heard some of that, but I, I don't have enough experience with it to say anything. Yeah. To say anything about it meaningful. Yeah. 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 So, so like for our raspberries, cause we have a little nursery here, we mm. bring in um, just the plugs, again, little tiny one or two inch plugs, and then we'll just put them in a one gallon pot and then basically up pot them. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I hear that you can also take runners on raspberries too. So like next year we should be able to take, you know, hundreds of runners off our raspberry production, put them in pots and then sell those. Yeah. But, the, and I guess maybe we just, as long as we don't list as list them as they're not, you have not been virus indexed. And I'm sure someone will write in and let me know the straight aspect of this. <laughs> so, yeah, sure. Yeah. I, I occasionally get comments on my YouTube videos about things like that. And, mm-hmm. you know, have you virus checked this, that, or the other, but I've never had an actual customer ask me about any of that. Not even one time. Mm, interesting. All right. So now propagation now for like these cuttings and stuff, most of it's shade and water, right? Is that kind of the formula and then yep. rooting hormone? That's the deal. I don't, I don't use rooting hormone. Okay. I don't, I don't use it at all. I have used it and I could not tell any difference. There are, I, my guess is that some plants just respond to it a lot better than others. Uh-huh. Uh, or, or maybe a better way to say it is that some plants benefit better mm-hmm. from it than others, but kind of what I have done, at least to this point, and and all I can tell you is at least to this point, you know, it's not like yeah, it's not like I'm the absolute authority on all of this because you know I've I've learned all of this by doing it, and I haven't tried everything, that's for sure. So what I've kind of zeroed in on is kind of a core of plants that I know for sure that I can propagate a lot of. Mm-hmm with a high success rate and that there's a strong demand for those things. Mm-hmm. So hydrangeas, that's one. I do a lot of that stuff on my YouTube channel and, you mm-hmm. know, any kind of hydrangea that you can propagate, obviously that's not patented is, do, you know, do as many yeah. as you can, like limelight hydrangeas. That's probably the most popular hydrangea in the world right now. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it came off of patent about two years ago, year and a half ago. And, you know, I've, I'm doing 600 of those right wow. now mm-hmm. and that, that won't be enough, but it's how many I could do this mm-hmm. summer, you know, just, and that's one variety of one plant, mm-hmm. but you know, I know there's going to be a demand for them. So mm-hmm. I, you just, it's, it's hard to, it's hard to overstate how much people want certain plants. I mean, it, it's, it's, and, and the hydrangea is one of those, at least it has been in my area. So, mm-hmm. you know, I don't want to act like that's universally true. Maybe in somebody's areas, you know, depending on where you live, what's hardy in your area, what people's likes and dislikes are, you know, that, mm-hmm. you know, I'm not saying everybody needs to start a nursery and, you know, start a million limelight hydrangeas, but at least where I live, I, I, mm-hmm. can't, I can't grow enough of them. Mm. So then with the limelight, is that something where you bring in liners or you're actually taking cuttings of plants you have existing? No, I do all of those by cuttings. Now, I mean, I have bought in liners. I bought in some this year because we, at the end of the year, between Christmas and New Year's this year, we moved, we, we moved to a different state. I mean, we, we picked up everything and moved. So in doing that, I wasn't able to bring all of my parent plants with me that I literally just had planted around my yard. Uh So 
I had to buy in some liners to get, and I bought those for the purpose of getting cuttings. I mean, I bought uh-huh, them, uh-huh. I potted them as soon as they started flushing out, there's my cuttings. Uh-huh. So, so, but I'll be able to sell all those liners, maybe even still this summer, you uh-huh. know, by early fall, but uh-huh. if not, I'll just sell them next year. So they all overwinter in a pot just fine. Yeah. Now I know you said you kind of specialize in what works for you, but people could also specialize in, let's say native plants or, you know, certain uh, wildflowers. There's also, there's, there's a million different ways you can specialize in nursery. Oh man. And that's, that's one of the great things to me about the nursery business is there's not just this one way to do it. In fact, hardly anything is infinite, but I mean, there's so many ways you can do it. You know, you can specialize in something if you want to specialize in, I mean, you could grow or you could have a great thriving nursery business doing nothing but edibles, you know, mm-hmm. from fruit trees and berries to, you know, you name it, longer, longer term growing things um, like, you know, maybe your apple tree type stuff and mm-hmm. springtime strawberries. I mean, and, and you could do great just doing edibles. You, know, uh-huh. you could do great just doing trees. You could do great just doing annuals. You know, if somebody wanted to specialize, mine is more of a kind of a, a variety of a lot of different things. At least it is right now. That may change. Uh-huh. And, uh-huh. you know, you can do it retail. You can do it wholesale. You can do it seasonally. There's ways you can do it year round. I mean, there's just no end with plants because, you know, the market for people buying some kind of plant is absolutely huge. You know, now for any one given plant, the market might not be that big, but when you just say plants, Uh you're talking about everything that has a root, you know? And Uh so that's one of the things that I have struggled with at times is, you know, having this, sea of ideas swirling around in my mind about we could do this, we could do this, we could do this, we could do this, we could do this. And 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 we could, we could do that. Yeah. But, you know, some sort of focus is is needed to just keep you from being all over the place. And you know what I need to do is get better at fewer things. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. yeah. And, and then yeah, expand you can- from there really. You can get too wide and then you don't do anything super well. That's right. That's yeah. right. So, all right. So let's talk about you moved recently. Was that to get too closer to a, a, a cell plants or is that just personal? It was more personal. The, we moved about 125 miles, which took us across the state line into Alabama from Tennessee. Okay. And um, ultimately it got us closer to our families. Okay. But, but it also got allowed us to get into an area where we could afford to buy some land. So we bought six acres of land. Nice. And, um, you know, we put our house here and we're going to build here eventually and our nurseries here all at the same place. And, you know, just personally as a, as a father of three children right now, my kids are seven, 12 and 15. Uh-huh. And this is, you know, the most valuable thing that I have at this point in my life is my time uh-huh. with them. And, I wanted to be able to do this where I didn't have to leave my house and go to work 10 hours a day and only see my kids a couple of hours a day. Uh So we homeschool our kids and our nursery is here at our place. As much as they're able to, at least 
one of them for sure, but a couple of them as they get, maybe the others as they get older, you know, mm-hmm. they work in the nursery with us. So, you know, it's been kind of a family endeavor and kind of we've taken it all on as, as a family project. And, you know, it's really a new adventure for all of us. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, absolutely. All right. So then with the talk to us about the seasonal aspect. So what does a year in a nursery look like typically? Well, this is my first year doing this full time. So I've been full time at this for seven months. Okay. So I don't even have a, my first full year full time, but just kind of to, to to lay it out, at least the way that I do it. And this mm-hmm. is being in a southern climate and I'm aware that, you know, once you get north of a certain latitude, things are totally different because the ground's frozen and you have a lot of different different issues that I don't have to deal with. So that being said, let's just start at the beginning of the year in January and February, you know, we're in the middle of winter at that point. Well, I'm working on doing things like potting plants, getting ahead of of the curve for spring. So let's say that I've got things in propagation right now in the summer and they've sat in their trays through the winter. Well, winter is the time to start potting those things up. So as soon as warm up comes, and sometimes that's really warm, that's really early for us. As soon as warm up comes, they're ready to start growing. You know, you don't want to start scrambling to try to start potting things when it starts warming up. You want to have it done by then because there's so much to do come March and April. You know, you want to get some of these things knocked out that you could have done earlier. So if you're dealing with bare root plants, you know, you want to do that while they're dormant. You can't wait, you know, until April and May to start digging those or whatever you're going to do with them. So one of the things that we did this year was, you know, we we sold and shipped about, um, I forgot how many it was, 1,000 or 1,200 plants to our YouTube viewers. And we and those are plants that we grew in the ground. So we dug those up and we shipped them in January. So, you know, we were able to make, I don't know, three thousand or thirty five hundred dollars or something like that in January mm. by shipping plants. So, mm-hmm. you know, we're we're hoping to be able to double that this year. So mm-hmm. you know, that's one of the things that no matter what you're farming, you know, the, most farmers don't have a steady year round income. Mm-hmm. So, you know, obviously has to be planned for and budgeted and all of that. But, you know, that's one thing that we are trying to do and increase in as time goes on is sell more plants to our YouTube viewers. Because a whole lot of these people that are watching our YouTube videos are people who are trying to learn how to start their own nurseries. And one of the things they have trouble with is sourcing baby mm-hmm. plants. So I would love to be their source for that. Mm-hmm. So that's one thing that we've gotten into in the winter. So just to kind of speed this along, then that kind of starts moving us into March and April, at least in our climate, where we really start warming up. And by April the 1st, we've got to be ready to go 100 miles an hour because the the selling season here really is April and May. And April and May is all day, every day, no time off, no days off. And I mean, we can sell as much as we can grow. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that's one of the unique things about this, about, about a nursery. Again, at least our nursery, the way that we've done it is, you know, our limitation is our ability to produce, like how mm-hmm. much can we produce? So, you know, that's the goal for next spring. And then going forward is, 
to be as fully loaded as we possibly can be at, we want to be beyond our own capacity and to be able to sell as much as we can because we know we can sell it. So that the, the spring is consumed with that. It's all about selling and then week to week, keeping that nursery loaded and stocked for the next week. And I, I, as far as I know, I can't find any wholesalers around here in my area that are close mm-hmm. by. So when I'm running out to wholesalers to try to buy this or that, just to fill in a hole or just to restock or whatever, this or that, you know, I've got to drive two hours one way to do it. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, yeah. I, so I can't do a whole lot of that once the selling season starts. So mm-hmm. um, I, I did it, you know, I was making those runs twice a week this spring and I hope to be doing that less next mm-hmm. spring, but you know, you got to keep plants in front of people. So that's why we're trying to grow as much as we can, mm-hmm. as opposed to just buying and quick selling it. There's very yeah. low profit margin on that anyway. So, so with that buying and selling, do you tr- what, what try to margin do you try to maintain on that? Uh, I would, I would love to be able to double my prices, but on some things I just can't do it. Gotcha. Okay. You know, so I am about, oh, a hundred miles from Nashville Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and the wholesale market in Nashville is just way, way different than it is here. I mean, Uh, yes, you know, (laughs) Nashville's its own little thing. (laughs) Right. Right. So, I mean, this, this nursery in particular that I'm, that I'm thinking of has, you know, all the plants you'd ever want, but you know, they're too expensive for my area. Most, mm-hmm. not all mm-hmm. of them, but for the most part, they are. So that's been tricky is, you know, you go to this nursery and everything, you go up there and everything in the world, anything you can imagine buying is there. And I'm going, oh, my customers are not even going to pay wholesale on these, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, that makes it challenging, but it makes it, you know, it makes it, there's an opportunity there for us though, because it makes it, it forces us to grow more where there's better margins anyway. So, uh-huh. you know, yeah, that's kind of the deal. And by the time it was June 1st here, it was hot. I mean, hot this year. Yeah. And, you know, plant selling season just came to a screeching halt and we kind of had a clearance sale and we only been open one day since then. Wow. Okay. So then you're, you're doing, when, when that's done, when it gets hot, you're done. And then you just uh, go from there. I'm back with Susan from the Northwest Arkansas Land Trust. And today we're talking about one of the holes that we see in the market, and they do as well, with the loss of the local wholesale farm. So Susan, with this project you're working on in Northwest Arkansas, you're open to all different types of farmers. But one of the things that you're actually doing a lot of work around is to kind of rebuild the local wholesale market, right? Absolutely correct. Northwest Arkansas has a rich history of fruit and vegetable production. It was known for its apples. It was known for grapes and other types, tomatoes, all kinds of really great, you know, produce. But that's been lost over the years for a number of reasons. And we recognize that the demand is there and we are just trying to, you know, help farmers, both existing and new understand the potential benefits for um, wholesale markets and institutional, so schools and hospitals, et cetera. So there's a lot that's happening within our work to strengthen that local food system. Um, So we now have a food hub that can help aggregate. And part of the work includes a processing facility 
state-of-the-art that will bring buyers and sellers together and also really benefit food entrepreneurs that want to be, you know, making value-added products. So this is all a piece of the NWA Food Systems Initiative. And, um, you know, our role as the land trust is to help, you know, preserve farmland and then get farmers on that land access. But there's all these other pieces that are going on to ensure farm viability way into the future. Very cool, Susan. And if you want to find out more about the work that the Northwest Arkansas Land Trust is doing and the affordable, stable land leases they are offering, you can go to www.nwa farmlink.org or call 479-966-4666. So then your clearance sale, you just mark everything down. Do you have a specific percentage that you start off with or depends on kind of what you well, think? Yeah. We kind of just kind of our model, the way we're doing things is about 80% of our plants are at one price, you know, about $8. Okay. Well, the way that I wrote my Facebook ad was, you know, if we're closing up end of season sale, everything is $7. Gotcha. Well, you would have thought that I said everything is $1. The way that people showed up that day, we had, we were only open for three hours that morning. Yeah. And we had 70 something sales in three hours. Wow. Yeah. So it was, you know, we did several thousand dollars in just three hours, but what, what was happening was a lot of our perennial stuff. It was just starting to look kind of weathered mm -hmm. and, you know, mm -hmm. it was starting to look bad just sitting in a pot. And a lot of the stuff was heading to the compost pile. Mm -hmm. If we can get it sold either this week or the next. So that was the deal is we wanted to just get rid of it and not have to baby it over the summer to either keep it alive or whatever. And since, since the day that we closed, all of our efforts have been now in propagation and in growing out other plants for next year. So, uh -huh. Uh -huh. Well, yeah, yeah, I I actually like to go to the uh, and I think this is the is go to a Home Depot when they do their half off sale because you can get some really nice um, plants from them and then either I wanted them to put in our landscape and then start taking cuttings from next year or I could just have kept and then sold next year at a full price. Yeah, so I especially right when I was starting my nursery for about the first year, when I was just trying to learn about plants and that kind of thing, I bought, I don't know, probably several hundred plants off of Lowe's clearance rack. Uh -huh, uh -huh. And one of the cool things about that is two of those were a plant called dappled willows that we do a lot of. Oh, I just got some of those. Yeah. And I planted yeah. two, I planted two of those beside our carport. Okay. And they grew really fast. They got huge. Well, I think it was two years ago was the first time we did it, but it's it's the easiest plant in the world to propagate just almost yes. besides something like a blackberry. And so we started taking cuttings from those in the winter and selling just the cuttings, little, you know, four or six inch sticks to our YouTube audience. And we were selling, you know, 12 to 1500 cuttings at 50 cents a piece to our YouTube audience in December. Uh -huh, uh -huh. So I turned that into a project for my kids to do so my kids could make the money from it. And this last yeah. year, they made about $900 just selling sticks off those dappled willows. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, that's what I'm saying about turning it into a year round thing where there's at least some money coming in. And that's just one example. I mean, and there, nobody's, you know, nobody's going to make a living off selling a bunch of sticks for 50 cents a piece in, in the winter. Yeah. But 
Well, I say that somebody does somewhere. <laughs> yes, but, there are actually a few nur- a few willow nurseries actually out right. there that do. Yes, absolutely. Yes. But there, there's you know, there's money to be made all year. I guess is the point. And you know, even starting out with something like clearance rack plants from Lowe's or Home Depot or Menards or wherever, you know, can be a tremendous way to just get started. So mm-hmm. that's one of the things that I tell people is. You know, when you're getting started, you don't have to have everything figured out and you don't have to know what your nursery is going to look like five years from now. But you do need to get some plants in the ground and start growing something, mm-hmm. even even if it's just plants that you're ultimately going to just take cuttings from later. So but you got to get that going. You just you got to get the process in motion. And a way to do that is go check out those clearance racks and look for plants that are not patented and buy them and stick them in the ground. The worst thing that happens is they die or you can't successfully propagate from them. So, uh-huh. you know, yeah. you're not out, you're not out very much. So talk to me a little bit about patented, because I know that's definitely something that we've run into here as you see. And so there's different things. There's patented, there's also TM'd. So share about the difference. And then how do you figure out if something you can now allow to propagate something? Okay, so when you order plants from a wholesale nursery, let's say you order them online and you're ordering in plugs, just yep. as an example. They'll have an availability list on their page and you just click their availability list. It'll open in a PDF or an Excel or something like that. And all of their plants are listed on there, typically alphabetically or, uh, or by plant type, for example, uh-huh. perennials, shrubs, trees. Then under those categories, there'll be every individual plant. If it's a patented plant it will tell you beside the variety it will say pp34216 that pp Uh means plant patent or it might say ppaf that's plant patent applied for okay yep yep all right so if you see those there's nothing wrong with those plants i buy those plants a lot but you just can't propagate them legally gotcha and so if you want to just buy them pot them up grow them out and sell them Wonderful. I do plenty of that. Yeah. But if you see that kind of terminology, then you just know, okay, this is a relatively new introduction because a plant patent is good for 20 years from the, from the date of filing for the patent, I believe either that or the date it's granted. Yeah. Protected for 20 years. So, you know, this is a relatively new plant introduction that somebody somewhere has spent tens of thousands of dollars or more developing this cultivar Absolutely. So, yeah. you know, it's not like, oh, somebody's robbing from me. Yeah. Patented plants are a good thing. It's, it's yeah. a good thing that they exist. Well, it encourages people to do the work of creating these awesome new varieties. It, it does. And it, I mean, it just, it, it just further expands the whole world of botany and plants and everything. I mean, it's, it's a good thing. So yeah. then on trademarks, you'll have a, just to give you an example. Uh, well, isn't the proven winners all trademarked? <laughs> Pretty much, except, <laughs> the, except the limelight. Okay. Yeah. And I'm not, and I'm not, don't, don't quote me on this, even though I'm saying this, uh, that may have come down to a mistake somebody made with paperwork. Mm, okay. But, but the limelight name is not trademarked. Okay. Interesting. Okay. So a trademark is, okay. It's that, 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 okay. Now, if let's say when you, 
okay, so let's say a, a, a plant isn't patented, but it is trademarked. Does that mean you also can't sell it under that name or you have to yeah. pay a royalty? Yeah. And let me give you an example of that. So okay. I'm, my time frame may be off, but it's about right. About five years ago, there's a really popular shrub. It's, it's called a Wajila and, yep. it's, and it's commonly sold as wine and rose is the name of it. Yeah. Wine and rose was um, Wajila. Yep. And okay. It's beautiful. It is. It's a gorgeous plant. I, I had a couple of them that I planted in my yard for the purpose of taking cuttings. All right. That's the trademark name, but it's patent expired. So it okay. can be propagated, but it can't be sold by that name. But, uh -uh. It's, it, but its name, it's, I guess it's botanical name, not its trademark name. Its botanical name is Alexandra. Okay. So like a girl named Alexandra. Yeah. Yeah. You can sell it as an Ale a Wajila Alexandra, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but you can't use the word wine and rose. You got to leave that terminology out or you are in trademark infringement territory. Okay. Gotcha. Now, if I buy in plugs yep. of wine and rose Wajila and pay the royalty on those when I buy them, which is typically something like 25 cents and maybe mm -hmm. more or less than that, but you know, say your plug is a dollar 50. And then there's a royalty, so you paid a dollar seventy-five for it. Then you can sell it as a wine and rose wajila, okay? Because you paid the royalty to do so. Yeah. So all of that can be a little bit confusing, mm -hmm. but it's really not overly confusing. But the main thing is, is that you always have to know what you're propagating when you're propagating plant. You can't just propagate a white hydrangea. Uh -huh. You have to know what that is, exactly what that is. Yeah. Or you yeah. could be propagating a patented plant. And there are ways that that can come around and get you into trouble. Yeah. Yeah. So, Not that they probably would, but there's always a possibility. Absolutely. And there are people who look for that. Mm, okay. So, yeah. So, you know, you can't be careless about what you're doing just because you think you've got a green thumb or just because you think you know how to propagate and sell this or that, you better know what you're doing or you can get shut down. You can get fined. I mean, there's, there's different things that can happen and they're not good. Yeah. All right. So now one of the things, let's say you do want to, um, you do want to do nursery stock and, and take cuttings. Is there a way to contact the people who have the patent and just pay them the royalty or is that just getting into big business and that's pretty tough? In, in my mind, that's getting into big business and that's pretty tough, but okay. I've not tried to do that. And it may be entirely possible for somebody to do that without it being a huge hassle. Um, if, if I had to guess, you'd be getting into a contract situation there where it would mm -hmm. be, you know, if you will agree to grow 10, to propagate 10,000 of plant X, then we will enter into an agreement with you on that. And you will owe us X amount of money. I imagine you would get into that type of thing. Mm -hmm. Uh, I can't guarantee you that that may vary a lot by plant. You know, there's a, um, a patented line of crepe myrtles. Uh, probably the most commonly known one is the dynamite crepe myrtle. Mm -hmm. uh, that particular variety's patent expired several years ago, but uh, the, the, if you want to call him the inventor of that crepe myrtle, I have heard from people that he is really reasonable and easy to work with. And he will, 
he'll allow just about any size nursery mm. to, to propagate his plants as long as they pay royalties on what they yeah. sell. Yeah. You know, and, and your mileage may vary by nursery, by patent owner, you know, that type of thing. It's just not something that I really am interested in bothering with. There's so yeah. many great cultivars of plants that are not patented. I, I don't see the great benefit in somebody like me with a nursery the size of mine. Mm-hmm. I don't see the great benefit to it. Gotcha. No, that totally makes sense. Um, it's just something that I know that's something out there. And I just want to make sure folks don't get into that um, yep. because and, as you said, it can get quite hairy quickly. Yep. And it can, and it's an important thing for somebody to know who's thinking about, you know, plants, nursery, that type of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so what would you say for someone looking, uh, actually, here's another question. Do you have a specific um, nursery mix that you like, or does different different crops require a different uh, soil mix? I don't. I, I mix my own potting soil and I use the same potting soil for every single plant I grow. Okay. So now that being said, that may not be the best way to do it. It's just what I do and it works. And mm-hmm. um, I am... I'm a very small operation and my goal, at least one of my goals is to keep things as simple as possible. Uh Um, I, you know, I don't have a staff around here to make custom mixes. Custom mixes tend to be expensive, which makes the price of my plants for my customers have to go up. Uh Uh, I have found a mixture of uh, finely ground pine bark mixed with ground hardwood bark that Uh works really well. And I have not found plants yet that don't thrive in it. There, I'm sure there are plants that don't thrive in it, but I don't know what they are. Um, and that plus a slow release fertilizer is all I use. I, I don't, I don't lime. Uh-huh. I don't, I don't add any other trace elements of anything to my potting soil. I just use that and it works really well. So, so just the mix of the two barks, you don't use any like pro mix or anything mixed in. I do not. Okay. And then you got the and, slow release fertilizer and that's providing the fertility. You know, and I'm, that's right. And, I, you know, I'm thinking about, there's a, there's a nursery a few hours from here that does custom mixes and all of that. And, mm-hmm. you know, I'm thinking about at some point going up and buying just kind of their, it's kind of a peat based. Yeah. Um, all purpose mix. I'm thinking about just going and buying a load of it and just experimenting with it and saying, Hey, does this work better than what I'm using? But, you know, one of the things that people say about my plants all the time, they say, wow, your plants sure are lush and green. Yeah. You know, well, if that's what people are saying, then something's got to be working. Something's got to be working. And it doesn't really matter what I think my plants look like. It matters what my customers think they look like. Yes. And I've never, ever, not even once had a customer say, your plants look bad or these things don't look healthier. You know, and when I have plants that for whatever reason look bad, I don't put them out for sale. I mean, I hide them or throw them out. Yeah. You know, so, um, you know, what we're doing works. It can always be improved, but, you know, I, I just don't have any compelling reason at this point to try to, you know, fix something that's not broken. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's working. Why, why try to change it? So then let's talk about what do you feel in your business um, in two years looks like for you? Where do you want your business to be in two years? That is a really good question. Uh, it's, it's especially with us, only being about seven months into our first year full time, really, it's it's more of everything that we're doing now. But I want to also eventually get into more large scale wholesaling. 
you know, okay. to look to local landscapers and, and, and things like that. Um, there is, but that, that's going to take me time because I have to grow my way there. I can't buy my way there. I can't just go buy a bunch of larger plants. Uh-huh. You know, I, I have to grow the plants in order to get to that point. So that's one of the things that we're working on right now. We, that, you know, I have way more emerald green arborvitas out, out in our nursery than I can sell. Uh-huh at least at their current size, but, you know, this time next year, they'll be twice as big as they are and they'll be getting to be a really ripe size for those wholesalers or for those wholesale buyers, I guess I should say. And, you know, that's, that's something, there's a, there's a hole in that market here where I live. There aren't, there just aren't any wholesalers around here. I mean, you can go what landscapers do. And I know this because they've told me, you know, they go to local nurseries here you know, just where the public buys and they give them a 10 or 20% discount on the plants. And that's how they do it. And I'm going, mm-hmm. you know, like, man, they're, the landscapers are still paying an arm and leg for the plants, even at a 10 or 20% discount, it needs to be a, a 50% discount or a 40% yeah. discount, something like that. So, you know, I would, I would love to be the guy that you can get a lot of your larger shrubs and, you know, uh-huh. screening tree type things from for a great price. And I've got plenty of room to do it, but it's going to take us a lot of time to be able to grow and to get yeah. to that point. So a lot of that stuff is things that we'd have to propagate and grow out and, you know, getting all that put in motion, it takes time. So, so that's one thing that I would like to do. Another thing that I would like to do at some point is, is get an actual greenhouse, uh-huh. you know, that's, that I can climate control so I can get vegetable starts and annuals uh-huh. started so just the way that we did those this year our first year we just bought them and just you know immediately flipped them just quick turnover on them and that was the first time that we had ever done that at all was this year but we realized how many of those we can sell and it's outrageous how many we could sell and you know if we were growing them ourselves of course it just makes the margin so much bigger on them so those are all things that I would like to see you know, uh-huh. us just get better at everything that we're doing and just expand all of it. Um, uh-huh. You know, perennials, shrubs, screening trees, fruit trees, annuals, vegetable plants, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. No, the vegetable plants, the, the beautiful thing about that is it's six weeks and you've got easy money. Right. Um, That's right. And it's fast. I mean, if other things like radishes, it's literally two weeks, spinach, it's like three weeks. Uh, brassicas four weeks and yeah, your markup's good. As long as you can build yourself a niche. Um, right. Yeah. We've had success with that. I, I would say that our success with our, nur- our, that side of our nursery has not been as well as I would like. And I think part of it is um, there's really good nurseries around here already. Um, they have to, and they're, they're very well uh, entrenched. So sure. um, unless I'm offering something very different, which we're not certified organic. And I think if we were to be certified organic, that would be enough of a, a differentiation that we probably could pull a different clientele in, but we haven't gone that we're, we're organic, but we haven't gotten the stamp. Sure. So yeah, that, that, that stamp matters to people. So it does. Yeah, it absolutely does. Um, what is your, for when people come to your farm, what are you using for checkout? Are you using like a square setup system or? Yeah, that's, that's all we use is a square terminal and yep. we, we use it for everything. So okay, real simple. And um, fortunately we've got a good internet set up here and, uh-huh. you know, it reaches 300 feet probably the the i mean we're probably our point of sale is probably 300 feet from our router so oh wow but, yeah. yeah it works great so yeah it's 
It, 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 that was very simple for us to learn to use. We just got it uh, this spring, you know, just uh-huh. a couple of weeks before we started selling and, you know, 10 minutes and we know how to use it. It's real simple. Absolutely. Very cool. What is your favorite tool on the farm? Favorite tool? Well, this is going to sound kind of corny, but seeing how I run a nursery, it's got to be my irrigation hoses. Mm, Yeah, I can agree with you there. Now, that's not very exciting. But so here's the thing is that in a nursery, irrigation is everything. You don't irrigate one day in the summer. Your plants are dead. Yeah. And this year we've put some we put some money and some effort and some real attention into getting our irrigation more efficient just so it's better. Uh, we had mm-hmm. to we have I mean, we have we have had to just invent an irrigation system and install it this year. And I've, I've just hand watered everything for the last six years until this year. Oh, wow. So, you know, building an entire overhead irrigation system, sprinklers and all the rest. You know, that's been the deal for us Our is our hoses and all of that. So, yeah. Yeah, uh, that is it. What do you um, we've been really liking the dram hoses. They're very expensive, but they're very nice. Do you have a specific hose that you like? Yeah, I use Flexzilla for everything. OK. All yeah. Right. And it's the, you know, the neon yellow hose. Yep. And um, I have I don't know how many of them I have 100 foot hoses. The first two of them, I bought them six or seven years ago. I use them every single day, all year long. I never bring them in, and they they have never leaked. They've never rot. They never dry rotted, mm-hmm. and they're still going. You know, so couldn't say enough good things about them. I really need them to sponsor me, by the way. If anybody from Flexil is <laughs> listening, let me get in contact yes. with me. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Yeah, no, those look like very cool hoses. Well, I really appreciate your time coming on the podcast today and sharing your experience, Craig. Thanks so much for your time. Yeah, sure. I appreciate you having me. I enjoyed doing it. Absolutely. So there you have it. Another episode in the books. So I'd love if you would hop on over to iTunes and leave us a rating and a review. Those mean everything to us. We love to hear what you're thinking. If you have a podcast guest that you can recommend, please pop on over to the Thriving Farmer podcast website and leave us a review. That's thrivingfarmerpodcast.com.